Hello. Oh, that's it. Good. Thank you. That was. Can I have that every time I preach? That was really good. Thank you. Okay. So, does anybody know what starts this week? Lent. Well done. Lent begins on Wednesday. Now, Lent traditionally follows Epiphany, and in its simplest form is the six weeks leading up to Easter, where we remember the journey to the cross, and we give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus and the defeat of sin on the cross. Now, I'm sure lots of you are thinking about giving something up for Lent. Mons is. I'll find out about that afterwards, Mons. Uh, And we do this as an act of personal sacrifice, where we test our self-discipline and remember the period of time that Jesus spent in the desert fasting and praying. So why am I telling you about this? Well, this year, we really want to purposefully journey through Lent together in our Sunday gatherings. And we want to do that with a very special guide. And that guide is Abraham. Now, some of you might think this is a little odd because Lent is usually a time when we look at the gospel narratives together. Well, actually, this year, what I've come to realise, and I think what God's been showing me and hopefully will show you, is that actually Abraham's story has got a distinctly Lenten shape. But there is another key reason for this choice, and that is some prophetic words spoken over Junction 10 coming out of our church review in 2022. And it was said that our journey, unlike the journey of Moses, who knew he was heading straight for the promised land, is more of an Abrahamic journey. One that's not going to follow a direct route to a specified endpoint, A to B. It's not going to go that way. But just like Abraham, it's going to involve some wondering. Now, I'm pretty sure if you've been journeying with us for some time, that's going to resonate. You're going to say yes to that. Maybe some of you might be thinking, well, enough wondering, Lord. But if that is you, then I'm going to encourage you this morning and say to you that nothing is ever wasted in the kingdom. And that even in our wondering and our not knowing, God is going to grow us And he is going to use that time. Nothing will be wasted. I'm also going to suggest to you that just like Abraham, I think we're a community that's being called to greater levels of faith and trust. And as I've been pondering and thinking about this series, I feel like so many more questions have arisen in me than answers being given. So that's my quick disclaimer. I think in this series, we're going to find ourselves asking lots of questions, both on a personal level and corporately. And I'd really love to tell you that myself or the teaching team or the elders have all the answers, but sadly, that's not the case. So perhaps your Lent discipline this year could be to start asking God the questions 
to start waiting upon him and discerning his voice. I'm actually feeling really excited about this journey because I sense it could be a time where God is going to speak to us and he's going to stretch us. And so I think it's time for us to stretch some of those spiritual muscles privately and corporately and begin waiting on God. So can I encourage you, as Phil did last week, can you get stuck into the story of Abraham in your personal quiet times during Lent? Didn't see many nods. Can you? Can you do it? His story begins in Genesis 12. So let's agree this morning that we're going to camp around these scriptures. We're going to read them. And we're going to take a posture of expectation that God is going to speak to us as we journey together. Amen? Right. We're going to start then by reading Genesis 12. I've asked Alison to come and read for us so you don't get bored of my voice. A little note for you, in case you're not familiar with this story, that Abraham and Abraham are the same people because God changes his name during the journey. So it's Genesis 12, verses 1 to 20. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "'To your offspring I will give this land.' So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. 
So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Okay, so the first thing that grabs me after reading this through is the extraordinary trust that Abraham shows us as he leaves his home at the request of God to go to a new place. This is the first time that Abraham encounters God and God makes a pretty huge request of him. A little aside, I'm going to point out Abraham is 75 years old at this point. So, sorry to anyone in the more mature category thinking maybe it's time to put their feet up because in the kingdom, God's call can come at any time. So Abraham is called out to an unknown journey and I wonder what your reaction to that is. Do you think, oh, I'd never do that. Or do you think, wow, that is so exciting. Or do you even think, well, that's nice for Abraham, but God wouldn't ask us to do that now. This morning's talk is really divided into two parts. And in this first part, we're going to be thinking about calling. And in the second, a little bit about Abraham himself and why he is to be our guide. Just spend a few moments thinking about when have you encountered God? And how has he called you both personally and how has he called us corporately? I want to say that when we think about calling, we can very easily put that in a box of calling to church ministry. So some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's nice for Rachel and that's nice for Joe and for Vicky. But actually, I believe that God calls each one of us. And that just like Abraham, our calling will often follow an encounter with God. Because did you know he wants to speak to you? And that he's got a calling sometimes more than one, for every single one of us. But outside of church ministry, we don't often actually think about calling a lot anymore. It's not a term that we use lots. And sometimes we can confuse our calling with our career. And I thought John Ortberg was really helpful here because he explains the difference to us. He says, Western society doesn't talk much about calling anymore. It's more likely to think in terms of career. And yet for many people, a career becomes the altar on which they sacrifice their lives. A calling is something which I do for God is replaced by a career which threatens to become my God. A career is something I choose for myself, but a calling is something I receive A career promises status, money, or power. But a calling generally promises difficulty, 
even some suffering and the opportunity to be used by God. A career is about upward mobility. A calling generally leads to downward mobility. Maybe for you this morning, this is a radical idea that God would call you and ask you to do something. So maybe the first step of your Lent journey is to believe God wants to speak to me and he's got a calling for my life. One of the things I found really interesting when I was looking at this passage is that Abraham had actually already left home when God called him. And if we look in Genesis 11, verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram, the grandson grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So Abram had already left. He was already on a journey before God called him. Now, Terah and his family, they stay in Haran. They never actually finish their journey, and we're not told why. So Abraham's call is not actually to leave his first home, but he's called to leave the halfway place they'd settled in Haran. And I think in here, this is where we see the mix of God's plans and human plans. Because there is a little irony that God calls him to do the very thing he'd set out to do. But for me, there's also a bit of comfort here, that God knows us so intimately. He knows the absolute desires of our hearts, and sometimes, not always, I don't think we should be so surprised when our plans collide. However, when God calls Abraham, this changes everything because Canaan is now God's destination and Abraham is the man he has chosen for Canaan. When God's call comes, it changes everything. I think this gives us a bit of a new way of thinking about our own call because sometimes we are waiting for a bolt out of the blue, aren't we? We're looking, has God written it in the sky? And we can find ourselves a bit confused or a bit disappointed when he doesn't. I read a story the other day which I think illustrates this point. A woman who had attended a mission wrote afterwards to the person conducting the mission saying... Dear sir, I have come to know Jesus Christ during the mission and I feel he is calling me to preach the gospel. The trouble is, I've got 12 children. What shall I do? So the mission wrote back to the lady. Dear madam, I am delighted to hear that God has called you to preach the gospel, but I'm even more delighted that he has provided you with a congregation. For most of us, actually, just like Abraham, God's call has to be discerned in the context of our own, often quite confused mess. So we've got to try and tease out what are our own plans, but what are God's plans? And this requires us to look deeper and ask ourselves, where am I self-seeking? Where am I actually following God's direction? And we might need help with this. 
We might need help discerning from wise friends, from our pastors, from spiritual directors, because the process of discernment is not easy. I do think it is something we will grapple with for most of our spiritual journey. And sometimes we do get it wrong. But don't be discouraged, because the important thing is that you're moving, even if you've gone a little bit off course. When I think about my own journey, um, it might seem a bit odd. I did a drama degree, and then I spent several years teaching before I moved more towards my calling. In fact, the most common question I get asked on a regular basis by unsaved family and friends is, when are you going to go back to teaching? Because they cannot fathom why I would leave an established career to go and work for a church. Quite honestly, they think I'm mad. They do. Sorry. But I am so grateful for all those years teaching because I know that God was shaping me and preparing me for exactly what I am doing right now this morning because teaching is a part of my calling. And like I said at the start, nothing is ever wasted in the kingdom. As Meg Warner beautifully says, God works with our initiatives and weaves them into a tapestry that is richer than any we could have woven on our own. In the economy of God, nothing is lost. Often, just like Abraham, we find ourselves somewhere along the way to the place God is calling us, but not yet the final destination. And Lent, I think, is a really good time to have a look at where we are in the journey of our lives with God. And I think a great place to start this might be to look back at where you started out, that moment when you first encountered God and you accepted him into your life. And what did he say to you in those moments or those months following And where have you come? Where are you at now? And that might mean that you have to ask a few more difficult questions. Like, have I got sidetracked or distracted? Have I, like Abraham, settled prematurely? Am I like Jonah? I'm running the opposite direction. Or am I just like terror and I just want to stay in Haran? At the start of this journey, I believe that God is challenging us, Junction 10, you and I, to discern his call, both as individuals and corporately. This could be major, it could be small scale. So, have you heard God's call? Have you sought it? Do you want it? Where does God want you to travel over Lent? Where does God want us to travel as we seek to build community with Jesus at the centre? Next week, we're going to pause this teaching series as our elders are going to bring us an update. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we've been led to go deeper with Abraham during this time as things have started moving with the talk. And so, 
as our elders take responsibility to discern what God wants for Junction 10, let's stand with them, let's pray for them, and seek God with them to discern for what he wants for our wandering journey. Can I have some nods and amens that you're going to do that? Just like Abraham, we don't have all the detail. We haven't got the map laid out nicely in front of us. And so we've got to posture ourselves and open ourselves up to receive his call and his direction. And this just moves us on now to the second part, where I want us to just spend a few moments thinking about Abraham and why Abraham. As I said earlier, Junction 10 had a very specific word about being on an Abrahamic journey. And so for me, it's crucial that we go deeper with Abraham as we allow him and his story to lead us. If we go back to our reading, then we see that God tells Abraham to go and then he follows this up with some pretty amazing promises. But it can leave us thinking, well, why Abraham? Why did God choose this man, Abraham? From Genesis 12, we know very little about him, really. We know that he comes from Mesopotamia. We know that his wife is barren. She can't have children and very beautiful. And we know he's got two brothers, one of whom has died. None of this limited information explains why he was God's choice. Because we're not told he was a great leader. We're not told anything about his faith. We're not told that he'd won loads of battles. In fact, quite the opposite. He seems very ordinary. Dare I say it? Very ordinary like you and me. The one thing that we are clear on is that he had set out. And as I said earlier, was already on the journey. As human beings, we have a tendency to massively overcomplicate things because God tells Abraham to go and he owes, he's obedient. He doesn't sit and wait up. He doesn't have a chat with his neighbours. He doesn't make a pros and cons list. He just goes. So perhaps the first question, the first answer to my question, why Abraham, is that he was obedient and he set out on the journey. And I love the simplicity of this. Don't mishear me because I'm not saying that was easy. But I am saying he didn't overcomplicate it. His answer was yes. And then he got right on and did it. So what can you and I learn from this? What's our answer when God is calling us? Are we actually choosing to listen to him and his call Or are we politely ignoring him? Have we made the choice to put one foot in front of the other and be obedient? Or have we stepped off the journey altogether? What else can we learn from this first chapter when we're thinking about why Abraham? Well, we know that he moves through the land, almost like he's doing a bit of an exploration of the land. And we know that as he travels at significant points, he pauses to build altars and call upon the name of the Lord. This is an incredibly faithful response to a God he has only just encountered. 
How does that resonate with our own journeys and our callings as we move about? Are we stopping to build an altar to the Lord and call upon his name? Are we talking to him regularly? Are we worshipping him? What are our rhythms like? Have we come this morning to build an altar of worship to him or have we just come because it's a habit or a routine? After moving through the land and stopping to build altars and calling on God's name, Abraham does something a bit surprising in that he keeps going. He doesn't stop at Canaan. He keeps going to Egypt. It's a time of famine in Canaan, and so he goes on to Egypt, where we know that the supplies are plentiful. Now, I don't know about you, but that leaves me thinking, uh, what are you doing, Abraham? God didn't tell you to go to Egypt. Don't you trust him? Don't you trust God's told you what he said to you and the blessings that he's promised you? What are you doing? And to make matters worse, when he gets to Egypt, he then asks his wife to lie and pretend to be his sister. Clearly not much thought for his wife and the potential consequences for her. And I would say that whilst Abraham emerges from Egypt wealthier, he doesn't appear to be that much wiser. In fact, he doesn't really emerge from this part of the narrative covered in glory, far from it, revealing quite selfish motives. So what are we to make of Abraham? Why did God choose this very ordinary man to be the father of his chosen nation? Well, as we've already said, it's clear God didn't choose him because of any particular virtue or merit, which would suggest to me that God doesn't call us because of any particular talents or personal strengths. Thank goodness. I find this very reassuring because Abraham is someone just like you and me. He does well and then he messes up. And this, for me, makes him so real at the start of his journey. And because he is so real, I can really relate to him and I can sympathise with him. Because this flawed character, who later in the Bible is referred to as a hero of the faith, is of such great value. He is so much better than a perfect poster pin-up. For me, there are two main reasons why Abraham is such a reassuring guide. Firstly, although he continues to mess up sometimes, he still learns and he grows. And that is my prayer for you, Junction 10, for us. That whilst we all get it wrong sometimes, that we're going to be a community that is learning and growing and flourishing. I don't want you to stop where you are because God has got so much for each one of us individually and as a church community beyond what I could imagine or what you could imagine. So let's dig deep. Let's choose to move further in. Let's learn together and grow together. The other really reassuring thing about Abraham is that when we look at his story, even in the very opening today, we see that God remains faithful through everything that Abraham does. 
God never abandons him, even when he gets it wrong. And haven't we known that same faithfulness in our own lives? God has never once left us. And even when we've been traveling and we have been so unsure of the future, God has never left us. This very building you are sat in and we are worshipping in is one of the many examples of God's faithfulness to us. God will always be faithful, even when we fall short of the mark. I think there are some people who need to hear that again. God is faithful. He will never leave you. He is with you and he is with us on every step of this journey. I'm just going to invite the band back up now as we finish our time together. I've asked them this morning to just give us a little bit of time because I think this morning there are some people here who need to do some business with God. Our prayer ministry team are here this morning. They'll be wearing their badges. And as we move into worship, I'm just going to ask them to come and sit down here. And they'll just carry on worshipping down here. But if this morning you need to pray with someone, perhaps you need to tell someone what God's called you to, then they're more than happy to do that. But they're more than happy to pray for you in any way. Perhaps this morning you're not very well and you need healing. Or perhaps this morning you need to tell somebody that you now know who God is and that you want to give your life to him. And they would be more than happy to do that. So Junction 10, as we step into our journey of Lent and we allow Abraham to be our guide, we begin this series with a question of calling. Abraham heard God's voice and he faithfully stepped out on his journey. I know it can be distracting sometimes, but I just want sometimes I just want you to hear this. Have you heard God's call? Have you taken time to listen to him? What is your heavenly Father calling you to do right now? And what is he calling us to do? Junction 10. As you know, our little house group, we're quite big fans of Lectio 365. And this last couple of weeks, the focus has been on pilgrimage. And Phil messaged me on Wednesday and he said, have you seen the quote by Brennan Manning, which had been part of the prayer time that day and which really resonates with what we've been talking about this morning. And I want to leave you with these words as we move into a time of worship and as you seek God for his call, don't leave this building this morning without asking him. Don't miss an opportunity right now to do that business with God. Seek his call 
and what his next steps are for us on our journey. I'm just going to read this quote. There is a wildness about the life of a pilgrim who leaves what is nailed down, obvious and secure, and walks into the unknown without any rational explanation to justify the decision or guarantee of the future. Why? Because God has signaled the movement and offered it his presence and his promise. Thank you, team. Let's spend some time worshipping together.